welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. We've got a new declaration. It's going to be on the screen. I invite you to put your hand over your heart because we say it from our heart. And uh, just a quick side note, first time I ever met Tony Robbins, we were talking, and all of a sudden he reaches up and puts his hand on my heart. Like I went, hmm. He goes, I didn't just want to talk, I wanted to feel you talk. I thought, well, that's interesting. So your hand is on your heart. You're going to hear yourself declare. Here we go. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Come on, give God a big shout on that. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. Come on, y'all. I declare that 2020 is double-double for me. Double blessing, double anointing, double portion of good things in every area of my life. Put an amen on that. I declare that according to Psalm 6511, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my path will drip with abundance. Come on, y'all. I declare that as I am taught the word of God and apply it, that I am wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Come on, put a big hand clap on top of that. Amen. So glad you're here. And I want you to get ready because today, as the word goes forth, I'm just telling you, there's going to be a shift in your life that's going to put you on a fast pace for 2020 like never before in Jesus' name. Amen? So glad you're here. You may be seated. To those of you that are guests with us, just want to say from my heart to yours and Pastor Sheila, who's here today with us, that it'd be our privilege to get to meet you uh, at the end of the service. We have a a special welcome lounge for you right to my right, to your left probably. And uh, we'd love to, to meet you and say hello to you. So again, welcome to Elevate Life Church. Welcome to our online audience. Would y'all just give them a big hand? Thank you for watching wherever you are. However, if you're close in the Dallas area, don't watch me online. Y'all come be with us. We want you to be with us. Well, we're talking about the journey of transformation, and I want to, I want to do one more thing. If y'all just let me do this, because I like to be interactive. Um, but Romans, the twelfth chapter, in the first and the second verse, in the New Living Translation, I would like for us to read this together, if y'all don't mind. So let me just say this before we read it. Paul was speaking to the church of Corinth in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter in the 10th verse. And here's what he said. He said, I wish above all else that you would speak the same things, that you would think the same things, and that you would agree on the same things. And what he was saying was, if you can come into agreement, then the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. So this, this, this like, what are we doing saying this stuff up front? We're coming into agreement, all right? So let's read this together. So here we go. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So I'm going to stop right there. and We're going to go to the second verse in a minute. What is it that we're being told right here? That it's one thing to come to church. That's the way we worship God. And by the way, thank you for coming to the house of God. Amen. Uh, it's it's a, a worship. The reason we start with, with some of you that aren't familiar with church culture, the reason we start with songs, is not, it's not karaoke. It's us actually standing in the presence of not the president, not a world leader, but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and just giving honor to him. So that's part of worship, part when we clap, when we lift our hands. But what the Bible says is that when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, that that really is the way that we worship God. That by the, by the way that we live our life, not based on what we give up 
I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with the girls that do. Because you know no boys are going to smoke and chew. I mean, it's a girl thing. But anyway, it's not about here's what I do and here's what I don't do. And that's, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person and I don't have this in my life. And so, and it's not about that. You see, here's the bottom line. It's about offering yourself as a living sacrifice to God, as a form of your worship. And not by doing more good than you do bad. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's about understanding this second part of this admonition and understanding. And here's what verse 2 says. Read it with me. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of you just, maybe you're even new, but you say, I'd really like to know what God's will is for my life. Can I just see your hand? You see, the truth is, is that there's a reason you were born, and it wasn't just because your parents decided. It wasn't because you were an accident. You were born for a reason. And if you were born for a reason, that means that God has a plan. And if God has a plan for your life, then you ought to spend every day of your life seeking not only to find out what that plan is, but as you offer yourself to God, then here's what he does. He says, you have to allow me to transform the way that you think. I have the privilege of coaching masterminds uh, and have been since 2008. I was a corporate coach before that and helped companies grow and develop and develop company culture and develop core values and that kind of thing before I ever even started pastoring a church. So I still do some of that. In fact, not this week, but next week we have... Uh, four different masterminds are going to be happening here in Texas. I've got one in Alabama. I've got one in Georgia. Soon to start one in San Diego. Uh, Steve Weatherford and I are going to do one in San Diego together. And it's going to be very powerful. Um, but but one, of the, one of the passions that I have personally, before I ever became a pastor, was to help people elevate their thinking. Come on, y'all help me. So they can elevate their life. Because the lid on anything, any potential that you have is at the level of your thinking. And so God is always, he's always wanting us to think like him. Isaiah 55 says, the prophet, Isaiah 50, the prophet spoke this in Isaiah 55. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours. And then he explains it. As the rain comes down from heaven and does not go back up, so is my word. It comes from the heart of God like rain, and it doesn't go back up, but I make it produce and bring forth fruit in your life. And then Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, the word of God will not return void. You say, what does that mean? The word of God will always work. I said, the word of God will always work. But watch this. I can't try to make this book and what God says conform to my thinking. That's what a lot of people do. They, you know, some people, and, and I've used this illustration for many, many years, and some people, like, they, they never get out of the box. So here's the box. You know, for most people now, um, you're, you're born into the world, and in the hospital, they put a pink tag or a blue tag, and so the first the first time people are viewing you at a hospital, they're viewing you in a box. And then your parents come and they stick you in a box with a handle on it. And uh, they carry you to your car box that has wheels on it. And then they take you to your house box. And then they take you to your bed box. And the amazing thing is, and again, I still don't really understand this, but our first view of life is through bars. It's like we're in this box and, you know, supposedly it's for our protection, right? But like, like we're, we, 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 we put children behind bars. I mean, they're going, ah, mama. you know, it was always very hard for me. In fact, Josh was our firstborn. He would, I can't remember how old was he when he started crawling out of his prison. Like three years old. And, and you know what? He would crawl out of the box with bars on it and stand at our door just like this. We'd wake up in the night and I'd see this figure. <laughs> he wasn't saying anything. 
And I'd go, hey, son. He'd go, hey, dad. Can I sweep with you? I go, yes, you can. Come here. Now, I'm, this may be bad parenting for some of you, but it turned out okay for us. So, so, so I would bring him in bed with us. Now, Sheila, this is a side note. The first service didn't get any of this, by the way. Welcome to the second service. Okay, but, but, but Sheila, Sheila, with all due respect, she was not a snuggler. You know, uh, when Sheila falls asleep, she falls asleep like she cheers. I mean, that's how she sleeps, for real. And I tell the truth, like she sleeps like this. She falls asleep like this, and she wakes up like this. Every once in a while, she'll put her hand up like this as if she were doing a cheer in her sleep and can't figure out why she wakes up and she's in pain. And so in the mornings, a lot of times, I'll pull her arm down. i just let that go, baby. So, okay. And then she goes back to sleep. Okay, so anyway, so, so she's not the snuggling type. So Josh would get in bed with me, and he would throw his legs over me. We would hug on each other. And so one day I go, hey, Sheila, see, see how Josh and I, like, see, see how we lay in bed? You think we might could do this? And she goes, well, maybe. But Josh was a snuggler, man. Long story short, Keela and Whitney come along. Well, they don't get out of their beds as much, but I liked so much that Josh would sleep with us, and Sheila was so gracious because I traveled 40-plus weeks a year. So when I got to be home, man, I didn't want to let go. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to let go of my kids. I was, I was just hammered down. So in our room, we actually put a couch bed in our room that would fold out so that all of our kids at any time could come in our room and sleep in our room. Now, I wanted them all in bed with us, but Whitney changed that game. And the reason she changed that game is because she does not sleep like a cheerleader. She sleeps up, down, upside down like an octopus. I mean, she is all over. Anyway, okay. So, why was I saying all that? Back to the box. So, I celebrated that Josh could be free. He could climb out of that bed. So, then... We're taught, let's go to the table box and let's eat from the ice box. And then let's go to the school and sit at our desk box. Let's take our lunch box with us. And then we will get educated enough where we now can graduate from school so we can buy our own box with wheels and our own house with boxes for rooms and our own box springs and bed, unless you have a Tempur-Pedic, and, 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 and then you come to the end of your life, and they put you in a box. So here's my point. Some people never get out of the box. They never get out of the white box. They never get out of the black box. They never get out of the poor box. They never get out of the rich box. They never get out of the ethnicity box. They never get out of the nationality box. And the whole deal that God has to deal with with us is, hey, okay, transformation starts with you offering yourself as a living sacrifice. This is the way you worship me. Now, let me tell you what marriage will do for you. For some of you that are not married, Listen in this section, because you think you want to get married. Oh, you just can't wait. You can't wait to meet that person that's going to make all your dreams come true. Anyway, and so I want all the younger people to listen to me. And then all the people that are married and you have done a miracle and stayed married. And then for those of you who've been married more than once, and those of you who've been married multiple times in the room, let me talk to everybody just for a minute. What is marriage supposed to teach us? Why would God order it? A man leaves his home, leaves his father and mother, the two become one. That's why my number one description of marriage is two funerals and one resurrection. Because if you don't know this yet, let me give you a tip. If you decide to get married, 
You decided to die to me, and you decided to rise as we. And if you're in your marriage and it keeps being about me, 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 let me give you some very bad news. Just go ahead and take it off because you're going to be divorced. You're not going to be divorced because you fell out of love. You're not going to be divorced because you never loved that person. You're not going to be divorced because they had an affair. You're not going to be divorced because all the reasons that people say they, they get divorced. Let me tell you why you get divorced. Because when me is more important than we, it doesn't work. I said it doesn't work. So what does marriage teach you? It teaches you how to die to yourself. It teaches you how to die to your way. Now, we're supposed to learn that growing up as kids because we figure out, wow, this family is not my way. It's whatever my parents say. Yeah. And then we find out our parents aren't perfect. And that somehow gives us a privilege to be an idiot. <laughs> well, they're not perfect. So I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to go do. And so we don't learn the lesson there. And then we think we can take that dysfunctional mentality into a marriage. And think that somehow my life's going to be better because I'm going to find somebody that really understands me and really loves you. Yeah? (laughs) In fact, they understand you so well that they know you like nobody else. And when you get married, here's what you find out. Now, listen, I've just addressed the room. People that aren't married, people that miraculously stay married. Listen, this is a miracle. It's a miracle. It is. She has wanted to leave so many times. And I've just had to tell her, like my friend Zig Ziglar, if you leave, I'm going with you. And it's going to be very uncomfortable because, like, you're going to be with somebody else. And I'm going to walk in and go, hey, I told you you were stuck with me. Anyway, so, so she hasn't gotten the courage to leave yet. But the truth is, it doesn't matter where you are. Listen, I'm not minimizing anything. Here's what I want to tell you. As it relates to deciding to get married you are deciding to become a living sacrifice for that person. And it's very hard for us to understand this spiritual concept because we don't do it in the natural. We don't live sacrificially with the person that supposedly loves us the most and that we love the most. So how can we do that with a God that we can't even see? Does that make sense? So God says, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't try to make me God fit into your theology. Don't try, to, don't, don't try to form your mind to how the business world thinks. Don't try to form your mind to how men think or women think. Don't be conformed to how your industry thinks. Don't be conformed to the way the world does things. But here's the secret. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind so that you prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I I wrote this uh, a few years ago. And I wanted to read it to you. It's one of my leadership ologies. The way we think creates an atmosphere around us that like a magnet attracts people, situations, and circumstances to us that establish the world around us. So inevitably, what we think, what we think, And what we live in and around based on the atmosphere that we create, based on what we think, is our own think tank. That's why I do masterminds. You know why I do masterminds? Because I don't think like a craft. That's my last name. I refuse to think like a white man. I refuse, if I'm not going to be labeled in myself as a white man, I'm sure not going to let you label me as a white man. I'm not going to think like an American. I'm not going to think based on my nationality, my ethnicity, my socioeconomic status. You know what I'm going to think? I'm going to think the kingdom. And whatever God says, that's what I'm going to think. And, and, and God says, listen, you'll be transformed in the way you think if you'll align the way you think with my word. 
So when we're talking about transformation this year, this is what we're talking about. So some of you have heard the story that if you put a shark in a fish tank, a fish bowl, it grows to be eight inches. It's a shark. But if you take that same shark and you put him in the ocean, it grows to up to eight feet. Why is that? You have to be the one that gets in a different think tank. You have to be around people that help you think better. This is what I feel like. Before I ever started this church, this is what I felt like God called me to do. And that's why I thought, well, maybe I'm not supposed to pastor because I'm not just going to get up there and give a little three-point uh, series or message and, you know, make people feel a little bit better about themselves. I'm going to really try and strive to help people elevate their thinking. Come on, help me out so they can elevate their life. Because if I can elevate my thinking and elevate my life, then I become empowered to help other people around me who are part of my think tank. So that's what masterminds are for us. Now listen, not this week, but next weekend, as I mentioned, we're doing masterminds. If you're interested, if you're a business person, if you're a person that wants to personally grow and develop, and you want to get into a different kind of think tank, I want to invite you to be a guest with us. And the truth is, we're already packed. But I'm opening it up in this family, and here's the reason I'm opening it up, because I feel like more than anything else, if somebody said, Keith Craft, how would you describe yourself? Here's how I describe myself. Not as a leader, not as a pastor, not as a husband, not as a father, but as a transformationalist. I feel like God has called me. So at 60 years of age, I, I, I work out. I don't work out, so I look good. I work out because I'm a transformationalist. You can't, I'm not going to be up here going, hey, hey, hey. It's fat too. I'm going to tell you all how to do it. No, no, I'm going to try to live it. I'm going to try to create a followable pattern. And don't be mad at me if you're overweight. I'm just saying, for me, it's like if I'm going to be a transformationist, I've got to be at least striving to, to, to not just be a better version of me. That's one thing. But I've got to be the man that God wants me to be, spirit, soul, and body. So I'm trying to embody that. And so as a thought leader, my, my, my job is to try to help people do that. So again, not that I think better than anybody, but I feel like that God has gifted me to help people think better about what they're thinking about and maybe to think about some things they're not thinking about. So again, if you're interested, David Stroud will be in the lobby, ask for him, and you can come be a guest with us next week. But back to today. Transformation, this journey of transformation is what I want to focus on for just a second. In the Greek, it means a profound change in form from one stage of an organism to a completely different. So from the butterfly to the, how do you say it, Josh? Pupa, because I want to say pupa, and I know it's not pupa. We don't want to change into pupa, but pupa kind of looks like pupa when it comes to a caterpillar. Because you described it, and they totally, the caterpillar totally disintegrates inside the cocoon, and he emerges into an adult butterfly. So transformation, I said it two weeks ago, and I want to say it again, is not a, a, a caterpillar that became a better caterpillar by becoming a butterfly. No, it's a caterpillar that died, disintegrated, and became a butterfly. That's the picture that God wants for you and I. So transformation, when we talk about transformation, what are we talking about? We're talking about a spiritual transformation of your divine and human. So there's a synergy that God wants you to have. You're not just a human being today here having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being here today having a human experience. So what I'm going to speak to you is I'm going to speak into your spirit. I'm not just going to talk about natural things. I could do that, but I'm not going to talk about that. You see, transformation is a spiritual thing that is a divine synergy between your, human, your, your humanity and your divinity. It's a supernatural synergy between God and man so that man can align his spirit and soul and body with the purpose of God. It's a spiritual formation of your life in the image of God. It's a progressive spiritual process of going from glory to glory. What does that mean? We're gonna talk about that for a minute. Like the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. So what does that mean? This last week on Instagram, I posted this. And again, sometimes I, you know, I use Instagram to get, try to get a message out even though it's, sometimes I know I'm just throwing it out there, but guys put it up there. Oh, here it is. 
So, so I want you to really hear this. Because this, some of me flipping through Instagram, they're not going to get it, but maybe some people will. The devil isn't concerned about you being converted. He's concerned about you being transformed. See, I grew up in this, y'all. I sat in churches where people made a decision for God, and that decision didn't change them. Their marriage, their business. I see my friend Sean and Lisa shaking their head, yes, you know why? Because they grew up in church. And we've sat in churches, Sean and Lisa, and we've sat in churches with people that they knew the truth, but the truth didn't set them free. Like they knew about God, they went to church, but it was just to check the church box or it was just a tradition in their family. And by the way, this is what's wrong, in my opinion, with the organized church. Not to criticize the organized church, but it's not a place where most people can actually be in a think tank that helps expand their thinking. It's not just like, hey, let's go to church and hear some good stuff and sing some songs that we don't know. You know, and try to enter into whatever that culture is in that church. No, no, it's, it should be a place where transformation happens. So, so the thought behind this, this thought is the devil didn't care if you call yourself a Christian if you don't live like one. He didn't care if you made a decision for God if your marriage sucks. In fact, he celebrates it because then you're really blind. He, he doesn't care if, you, if you're a believer and you're making a lot of money. Listen to me. By the way, God doesn't care about how much money you make. Because he doesn't care about the money you make. He cares about how generous you are. So what are you doing with the money you make? Well, I'm providing for my family. I'm providing for my four no more. I'm getting all I can, canning all I get and sitting on the can. The devil goes, good. And call yourself a believer. But when we're generous, we're the most like God. So the devil didn't care about all that. So the thought behind the quote, the TBQ, is to be converted means to change your mind from living your way and choosing to follow Jesus. That's the first step and his teachings. It means to acknowledge that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins. How many of you have done that? Let me just see your hands. All right, it's to acknowledge that. There must be a lot of people that need to be saved, especially in that section over here. I'm going to give you all one more chance. How many of you all have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, don't raise your hand. Don't lie to me because I'm going to get you saved today. All right. Now, listen. It means to acknowledge that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. This is what conversion means. I acknowledge that. It means to repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you. I've done that. It means to receive the free gift of God's grace. Somebody put an amen on that. It means because, according to Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you believe that, say amen. That's what conversion is. But watch this. To be saved or converted is different than transformation. Transformation happens over time, and it involves a desire to personally grow and develop in the things of God. And what does that mean? Transformation happens when your life proves that your conversion is true. Like, hey, I can say all day long, Sheila, I love you so much. You understand the four other women in my life, don't you? I mean, I love you, baby. You're just amazing. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. But I like red, yellow, black, and white. I like blondes, brunettes, black, white, Hispanic, Latino, red. You understand that, don't you, baby? I mean, because I love you. What? You know how much I love you. See, I can say all day long that I love her, but if my behavior and my attitude doesn't prove it, it don't matter. Does everybody get what I'm saying? That's the same way it is with God. He's not concerned with you checking the God box. He's concerned, watch this, and by the way, so is the devil. God in the most positive sense, the devil in the most negative sense. He's concerned that your life proves that your conversion is true, that you grow through what you go through. How many of y'all know you're going to go through some stuff? Come on, I said you're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some stuff. This year when I went through that heart attack, I never, you're going to go through some stuff you never thought you would go through. And guess what? The other side of that is your transformation. I said the other side of that is your transformation. So watch this. No struggle. No transformation. No struggle in your marriage, no transformation. No struggle in your business, no transformation. That's why you can take this to the bank. All things work together for good. 
to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If God is for you, who can be against you? Yeah, but this thing is killing me. The other side of this thing, if it doesn't kill you, guess what? It's not just going to make you better. On the other side of it, it's because God's got so much for you that that thing didn't kill you, was doing something on the inside of you. And when you come out prophesying now, when you come out of this cocoon, you are going to have wings. You are going to fly like an eagle, not a butterfly. It's the truth. So transformation happens when I decide not just to go through stuff, but I'm growing through it. When you live the Word of God in your everyday life, that's when transformation happens. When you continually renew your mind with the Word of God. When you put God first with your finances. Listen, that's when God can open the windows of heaven over your life. you got to trust Him in that. So many people in this room I could point out right now. But I mean, Rod, I'll ask you a question. You're growing up, you're a farm boy. You're in, where, where is it? Oklahoma, King, Loyal, Oklahoma. So Loyal, Oklahoma. When you're 18 years old and you're looking at your future, did you ever think you'd have a company worth $300 million? I'm just asking you in front of God and everybody. No. Did you ever think after you built a company like that that you'd go pretty much bankrupt? Did you ever think after a bankruptcy you could come back and you could build it up to several hundred million again? Did you ever think that? I mean, at your lowest point, when, every, when the bottom was dropping out in the economy, when you got million-dollar pieces of equipment sitting, did you ever think that it could be rebuilt? Here's what happens. <sighs> God is such a good God that if we don't focus on the bad, he promises to use every bad thing for our good. He promises. But the enemy knows this. And so he wants to make whatever's bad really bad so that you'll doubt God. So watch this. Listen very carefully what I'm going to say now. So that you won't level up to the great things that God has for you. So, transformation happens when you forgive others that have sinned against you. Oh, yeah, I do that, you know. People have sinned against me. Let me tell you how you know you've really forgiven somebody when you don't have to keep telling the story over and over of what they did to you. That's when you know you're forgiven. Because some people go, oh, I forgive them, but man, you won't believe what they did. Get forgiven. When you humble yourself by giving up your right to be right, marriage. When you choose to be generous and when you become a living epistle of who and what Jesus taught. That's my goal in my life. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says it like this, nevertheless. By the way, why don't you just say that? Put your hand on your heart one time and just decide this right now. Here's a life philosophy. Everybody that will do it, say this with me. Say, nevertheless. Joshua, in the Kraft family, nevertheless, nevertheless than what God has for us. In the Kraft family, nevertheless financially than what our potential is. In the Kraft family, nevertheless of anything in the kingdom, even if we don't see it, if we can dream it, if we can pay our price, it's achievable. Nevertheless in our family. Guess what? When you start living, nevertheless, and this is how scripture starts. This is how this scripture starts. Nevertheless. When one turns to the Lord, okay, God. My dad was 67. He didn't know God. Has a massive heart attack. Has an encounter with God. And at 67, it still wasn't too late. He decided he was going to serve God and he spent the rest of his life. You know what? He wasn't a real spiritual man, but he spent the rest of his life being in awe of God. Just being in awe of God and watching the hand of God on his life. It's never too late. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, maybe you hadn't turned to the Lord today. Today's your day. The veil is taken away. What veil? Your own thinking. By the way, the veil is taken away from our face. What's on your face? Hey, what's on your face? Let me tell you what's on your face. The way you see, therefore your perspective. The way you hear, 
We don't hear things based on what people say. We hear things based on how we are. What's on your face? Your smell, if something smells right to you or doesn't smell right to you. What's on your face? Your five senses pretty much are on your face. And that's the veil that has to be taken away. The veil that has to be taken away is how I naturally process, watch this, with my senses based on what I see. So here's our problem. I don't see things the way they are. I see things the way I am. I don't hear what somebody says. I hear how I am. And then if I'm more wired to feel first, then no matter what anybody ever says to me, if I don't deal with the insecurity of my own feeling, they can never love me enough. When the veil is removed of your seeing, your thinking, your hearing, your natural senses by default, listen to this. The Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Come on, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be a spirit of liberty that would come into your life. I pray that there would be a spirit of liberty that would come into your marriage. I pray that there would be a spirit of liberty that would come into your business. I pray that there would be a spirit of liberty that would come into your life. You know why? Because I can tell you, and again, we teach this in Mastermind, that what what is it that you really want in life? What do you want? Let's talk about what you want so you don't get more of what you don't want. What do you want? Let's line it out. Let's line what it is that you want. Let's dream again. Let's believe again. Let's get equipped for what God has for us. Now watch this, and I want you to really hear me. If I don't know that, no matter what I ever get will never be enough. So you know what I want? Let me tell you what I want. This is my biggest want. I don't want to just have a good marriage. I don't want to just have good kids. I don't want to just have good grandkids. I don't want to just have a good life. You know what my big want is? I want freedom. How about you? I want freedom. You say, what does freedom mean? Where the spirit of the Lord there is. Come on, freedom. Amber, I met your mother today. She is unbelievable. She's gorgeous. Anyway, sorry. I thought you are not Amber's mother. And by the way, Amber's father likes you, Sam. Behind your back, he said good things. I just wanted you to know that. Okay, so I'm not sure my own father in love. Anyway, okay, so I'm just joking. But what was I saying, son? Freedom, thank you so much. I want you to really hear what I'm saying. If my biggest one, I don't know what your biggest one is. If my biggest one, Joe, is freedom. Here's what that means for me. I want to have the freedom to do what I want to do. Anybody here with me? Come on. I want to have the freedom to be with who I want to be with. Maybe I want to have the freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Anybody here? So in other words, here's 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 the base here's a baseline. Baseline is everybody here wants more freedom. When the veil is taken away, The Lord is the one that does that on the inside first. That's where transformation happens. I'm free from bitterness because I forgive. I'm free from doubt because I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I'm, I'm free to explore my potential. What God says about me and who God says. I'm free to learn what this book says. So where the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. But we all, everybody say we all, with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What in the world? How are we being transformed from glory to glory? What is the glory of God? The glory of God, listen very carefully now. I'm going to despiritualize it, is the goodness of God. God is transforming me and giving me gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. Do you know what the Bible says about repentance? Oh, I can remember as a child coming to the altar. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I can remember one time, Jeremy, when I was a kid, I ate four grilled cheese sandwiches. I, I don't know how many Snickers I had, but nobody was home. And I thought, I can eat whatever I want. I don't know none of y'all have ever done this. I just, I was like, 
I was so sick. I was so, I, I'm just telling you what I remember eating. The next day was Sunday. I go forward and go, oh, God. I, no, I was a glutton. That was ridiculous. I still feel horrible. Okay, here's the deal. That's wonderful when you feel bad about something and you shouldn't have done it and you repent, whether it's to your spouse or to your kids like I do all the time still. But let me tell you what the Bible says about repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. How could I not go, hey, I missed it. And God, you're so good because you're, you're merciful. You're, your word says it. Your mercy endures forever. That means that you don't give me what I do deserve. God, your grace is sufficient. That means that you give, you give me more than I do deserve. So, so when I do deserve the bad, God, you still give me the good. And when I, when I don't deserve the good, you give me more. And so I've got the mercy and grace of God. Why wouldn't I want to walk before the Lord and say, God, I want to figure this out. Like, I want to be the person you want me to be. I want to be the man, the husband, the businessman. I want to be the pastor. I want everything in my life as a living sacrifice because of your goodness. See, it's, it's good to feel remorseful for what we've done wrong. But that even God is not a God that's trying to make you feel bad. God wants you to understand it's his goodness, it's his glory. That even in your weakness, he's made strong. And he takes you from good to great. Thank you, God. Why don't you thank him right now in your own way? Just thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Uh, okay. Oh, just about through. Pastor Josh, I love to quote Josh and my kids because I'm always trying to get them, hey, don't forget to quote me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. But it's my honor to quote you today, son, because here's what you said word for word. What you said word for word on the first weekend, January 5th, 2020, is you said, Scripture shows us as does the caterpillar that transformation is not a one-time event, it's a journey. How many of you are glad about that? Like God doesn't, hey, God doesn't look at you and feel the same way that you feel about yourself. I suck. <laughs> Anybody ever felt like that about yourself? Oh, I know some of you don't, thank you. Thank you for being in the room because you're making us all better. But anyway, <laughs> but watch this. When God looks at us, he goes, man, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're on a journey. And listen, it's, it's up to you. How fast do you get this? How long is your transformation going to take? As a fool to his folly, so a dog returns to his vomit. I'm always, I'm always amazed by that. It's like every dog I've had has done this. They'll be over in the corner. They throw up. They walk away. Tails between their legs. And I'm telling you, it ain't three minutes. They're back over there. Man, this is good stuff. I, I don't know. This is what the Bible says, as a fool to his folly, so as a dog returns to his vomit. Your lessons about your vomit are your lessons to learn. Don't go lick it back up. That's transformation. Hey, let me say it a different way. When you stop going back to your vomit, you know you've changed. Or, or what made you vomit? So, the path of transformation is behind me. Everybody, say this with me. Here we go. Put it up there, guys. Put the whole thing. Say this with me. This is the path. This is what we're going to focus on this year. Know God. Come on. Grow closer. Go serve and sow generously. We believe for Elevate Life Church, not as a church membership. We don't even have membership here. We believe as a church family. You're our family of choice. That if we can help you know God, if we can grow closer through small groups, through relationship, if we'll learn that we've got to serve other people, and then if we'll sow generously, we will be transformed. I love what Martin Luther King said. Tomorrow we celebrate his birthday around the world. Here's what he said. Put it on the screen, guys. 
everybody can be great because anybody can serve. Are they putting it up there? Just hit that button. Everybody can be great. Anybody here want to be great? Oh, don't be humble right now. This is not the time. Anybody here want to be great? Because if you're not great, here's what you are. You're mediocre. If you're not pursuing greatness, you're mediocre. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. He goes on to say this. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Four transformational benefits of servant leadership. Because I'm talking about let's go. Everybody say let's go. Let's go. Go go do what? Go serve. I want to just close by saying this. John 13, Jesus is with his disciples. By the way, if you turn in your Bible, you don't have to because you probably got it on your app. But if you turn in your Bible and you went to John 13, I want, I want you to get this picture and never forget it. From John 13 to John the 21st chapter, just in the book of John alone, the last eight chapters of the book of John are the last week of Jesus' life. So when you read from John 13 on, he's in his last week. So he's thinking about, what do I need these guys that are called my disciples? Have you got a, a rag for me? What, what do I need these guys who are called my disciples, thank you, Mike, to know? What do I need them to know? And so here's what happened in the last week of his life. He knew his hour was coming. He knew he was departing from the world to his father. Now listen to this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. Put an amen on that. And after supper being ended, now listen, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things to him. So he knew that the Father had given all things to him and that he'd come from God and that he was going to God. So he rose up from supper and he laid his garments aside and he took a towel and he guarded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. He began to wipe them with a towel. Then he came to Simon Peter. And I love this because I, I would have done the same thing. Peter goes, hey, 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 Zeus, you're going to, like, wash my feet? And Jesus said, what I am doing you don't understand. Let me prophesy over you. Some of you right now, what God's doing, you don't understand. I said, you don't understand. But watch this. You don't understand, but you will. Peter said to him, here's my thinking. You'll never wash my feet. That's his thinking. You're, you're not going to do this because guess what? I'm not going to do it. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. Simon Peter said to the Lord, then not, not, not only my feet, then I need my hands and my head washed. Why? Because your head represents your thinking. Your hands represent the good works. You know that God's created you for good works. And some of you, God's created you to make a lot of money. Let me rewind that. God's created you for good works, and he's created you to make a lot of money. You know why he's created you that way? Because you're blessed to be a blessing. Come on. And it's up to you to monetize every gift it's up to you to understand how can I make more, not so I can have a bigger house, nothing wrong with that, not so I can have a nicer car, nothing wrong with that, but how can I make more so I can sow generously and be a generous person in the earth? So he said, wash my hands, wash my thinking, wash my feet, because that's, that's where I take dominion. He who is bathed, needs only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. And then he talked about how, how um, Judas was going to betray him. So this is what I want to end with. Listen very carefully now to what I'm going to say. In the last week of his life, he's having a meal. All of a sudden, he gets up from the table. Nobody knows what he's doing. He gets down on his knees. He takes a towel and a water basin, and he starts washing everybody's feet. Now, in that culture, they wore sandals. It was nasty. Still over in Israel and over in that part of the world. It's dirty. It's nasty. You're dirty when you go outside. And so he's washing their feet. And they're thinking, oh, that's nice. He's washing our feet. He gets to Peter. You're not, Jesus, you're going to wash? No, you're not going to wash my feet. And he goes, if I don't do this, watch this now. Listen, if I don't serve you this way, 
you have no part of my kingdom and you don't get the part of the kingdom that has your name on it. Well, then by all means, wash my hands, wash my head, wash my feet. Now, when we talk about servant leadership around here, this is what our church was built on. Why? Because the better servant you are, the greater you are. Let me say that again. The better servant you are, you're not serving because of what you get out of it. You're serving because you care about and you love other people. And so Jesus said, if you don't do this last week of his life, if you don't do this, you don't get your part of the kingdom. You can believe in me. You can love me. You can worship me. You can sing all the songs. So here's, here's, here's in, in a nutshell, this is it. Why is servant leadership so important? Because servant leadership is Jesus-style leadership. He said, I'm doing this as an example for you to follow. Now go do it. But the second thing is servant leadership is the gateway of greatness. In my book, Your Divine Fingerprint, I'm not going to take time, but I talk about servant leadership and how God wants to take you. Listen, just real quick, I'm going to encapsulate this. From self-leadership to servant leadership to transformational leadership. Now watch this. I'm going to lead myself. I'm grateful that Sheila chooses to follow me. I'm grateful that my family chooses to follow me. I'm grateful that God has given me the opportunity to establish a church like this where I'm not saying, hey, follow me. I'm just trying to create followable excellence so that your life can be better. And if I don't teach you anything else, I want to be a part of helping you teach, helping teach you how to lead yourself because that's the first thing. But then self-leadership must come now to servant leadership. This is what Jesus was trying to teach. He said, I want you to serve other people. Peter, it's not about you. It's not about what you think. It's about serving other people. So I want you to learn to serve other people. Why? Because then if you'll serve other people and you'll become a great follower, you'll become a great leader. And watch this. Then you'll become a transformational leader. Now, what's a transformational leader? Like I told you a few minutes ago, if I was going to describe myself to you, I wouldn't say, I'm Keith Sheila's husband. I'm the father of Josh Keelan Whitney. I'm the grandfather of, of Charlie, Layla Shayla, Livy Ray, and all the grandchildren, multitude, the nation of grandchildren that are going to come into my life prophesying now. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say any of that. You know what I'd say? I wouldn't say I'm a leader. I would say I'm a transformationalist. Why do I work out? Why do I do all the things that I do, spirit, soul, and body? Why do I give? Why do I do all that I'm doing? Because I believe in this Jesus-style leadership, and it's the pathway to greatness so much that I believe if you do it, it works. And watch what happens when the transformational leader walks into a room. Watch. Here's what happens. The whole atmosphere changes. I just believe that. I'm delusional, I know. But, like, I believe when I walk into a room, it goes up. Not because of me, but because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm not focused on me. I'm focused on the room, whatever the room is. That's what transformation is. Watch this. I said it last week. I want to say it one more time. If I can transform on the inside, this is what Jesus wants us to understand. And I'm not conformed to this world, but I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Watch this. If I can change me, Rod, I can change anything. Because me is the most difficult and the most important person I'll ever lead. And if I get it, I get a confidence to say what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? With man, things are, come on, y'all. With man, things are, but with God and me, I live that way. I believe that. I live that way. I believe that. I'm going to take time to show you this. I posted this the other day. Again, these are things that just you can just read over it, but this is, this is a major drop. Achieving personal greatness begins with taking responsibility for transforming your normal into your potential. Every one of us has a normal default. We have normal things based on our personality, based on our, even our gifts that are undeveloped. 
that are not developed yet. So watch this. Achieving personal greatness begins with taking responsibility for transforming your normal into your potential. So what is personal greatness? Personal greatness stems from a desire to reach your full God-given potential. Can I ask you a question? Do I have to look 60? Well, you know, when you get older, it's not that I'm trying to be delusional. It's just body. You are a temple of the most high God. So guess what? I don't care what age we are. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Do I have to stay poor if I'm poor? No, I don't. Do I have to stay stuck if I'm stuck? No, I don't. Why? Because I'm on this quest. God didn't create me just to be normal. He created me to be transformed into his image. Watch this. And to be God-like in the earth. So personal greatness is the capacity to personally grow beyond your normal. I don't want a normal marriage. I don't want normal finances. What's somebody tell me? What's the average salary in Frisco, Texas? Anybody? What is it? Anybody know? Look it up. Somebody look it up for me. What's the average salary in this area? This one of the higher salary places in the United States of America. What is it? 131 with two people working. That's normal. I have an announcement for you. You're about to go to another level. I said, I have an announcement for you. Why? Because in this think tank, it ain't about the number. It's about the potential. It ain't about what's average. Because when you elevate your thinking, come on, you elevate your life. I believe it all the way. You might not even be at that level. You might be struggling. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Because guess what? We're going to go up. I said, we're going to go up. We're going to go up. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. We're going to go up. So watch this. What is personal greatness? It's driven by a passion for excellence. That's why my kids. One time it had rained. Cole and Keila came to the church. Their car was dirty. I walked over to him. I said, Listen, don't ever come to church with a dirty car. <laughs> Keila goes, yes, sir. This morning, I got in Sheila's car, Pastor Precious. Her car was dirty. She said, I meant to have my car cleaned, but yesterday I got too busy. I said, Be, I said first of all, you're not going to park in my garage. <laughs> but the second thing is, before we leave the church today, that car will be cleaned. Thank you, Chris Schaefer. Because Chris took her car. Now listen, it ain't about clean cars. It's not about a fit body. It's not about great finances. Watch this. It's about a personal passion to be the best you that you can be for the glory of God. That's what I want to inspire in you. And watch this. You may be hurting today. You may think, I can't even think like this. If you'll start thinking like this, you'll hurt less. Listen. So personal greatness is a passion to be the best I can be. It's focused energy towards achieving lifetime goals. It's a core values-based life. It's self-discipline that leads to self-mastery. It's leading yourself to serve others. And our family mission statement, our craft family mission statement, what my kids grew up with, it's never allowing the good to be robber of the best. And I'm just telling you, this is not some kind of ideal that I have. This is an ideal that God has. Come on, put an amen on that. Servant leadership is Jesus-style leadership. It's the gateway of greatness. And then I love this. It is a superpower. Serving is a superpower. Look at John 13, 7. Look what he says. Watch this now. So he's talking about, you know, not washing people's feet. He's talking about serving other people. And here's what he says. Put it up there, guys. John 13. <clears throat> if you know these things, if you know them, blessed are you if you do them. Wow. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, I had a different version up there than that. So here's what the Amplified says. If you know these things, you are blessed, happy, favored by God if you put them into practice. 
Would y'all put the Amplified up there? I want everybody to see this. Like, if you know this, know what? That serving other people is important. If you do it, how do we change that from the first service to the second service? Okay, anyway, sorry. If you know these things, you would be blessed and highly favored of God. Does anybody here want to be blessed and highly favored of God? Come on. If you know them, watch this. Okay, I know it, but did you do it? Did you do it? So servant leadership is a superpower when you choose to serve other people. In the lobby today, we're going to have some tables. There'll be some people out there. And if you'd like to start serving around here, first of all, let me just tell you, we've never used the word volunteer. We don't, we don't need volunteers here. But if you want to get in service of other people, this is a great way to do it. You can serve your family and begin to serve. We met with a group of about 200 of our servant leaders who are leaders of servant leaders. We have about 2,000 plus servant leaders in this church. But we, we met with the leaders of the leaders, about 200 plus on Friday night, just to say, look, know God. Grow closer. Go serve so generously. Get this in your spirit because this is how transformation is going to happen. I grew up in a church where a lot of people went to church, but nobody served. I want to encourage you to get plugged in. And if, if it's not here, then serve somebody. Do something that you're not paid to do. Learn to serve other people. It's the gateway of greatness. It's a superpower. And then here's the last thing. Servant leadership fills the earth with the glory of the Lord. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let me give you some good news. Listen now. Jesus prayed a prayer. I've talked about it. It's in my book, John 17.22. Father, you've given me your glory. Now I give it to them. Each one of you, each one of you represented by a fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave has been given a deposit of the glory of God. It has nothing to do with how much you've done right and wrong in life. Because transformation starts now. Here's what it has to do with. You making a decision to say, I'm a capacitor for the glory of God. And how is the earth filled with the glory of God? The Bible says in Matthew, Jesus was teaching. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light... Your good so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify God on your behalf. Here's what I can tell you. What I can tell you is this. God intended to fill the whole earth with his glory, with his goodness. And you're a very important part of that. And that's why in this family, we're going to spend the rest of our lives. I'm talking about this family. We're going to spend the rest of our lives filling the earth with the goodness of God. Come on. Has God been good to you? Let's fill the earth with the goodness of God. I'm going to ask you to bow your head if you would. Nobody moving just for a second. We're about to be dismissed. But here's what I want to tell you. Listen very carefully. You know where transformation starts? It starts with you on the inside. The Bible says if any person be in Christ... They are a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. If you are here and you haven't settled that issue, then supernatural transformation cannot happen in your life. But if you're here and I don't care what you've done in your life, listen, God doesn't look at your past and go, oh, you're disqualified. God doesn't look at the mistake you made earlier today and say you're disqualified. You know what God's looking for? Those who turn towards him find a spirit of liberty and freedom in their life and the veil is taken away and your life begins to transform. But if you're away from God or you're not right with God and that's you, I'm not, I'm not talking to you because you feel bad. I'm not talking to you because you're just remorseful. I'm talking to you, you spirit to spirit, man to man, man to woman, son of God to sons and daughters of God to challenge you. Get your life right with Christ and he'll fix some stuff that needs to be fixed in your life. Stuff you don't even know about. Stuff you don't even know that he's going to fix. So if you're here and you say, I'm not right and I want to get right, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. And I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to see what anybody else is doing. This is between you and God. So right 
right now, let's start this transformation journey and say, I'm going to get it right. If that's you on three, slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, all of this place, just slip it up and say, I'm going to get it right. Come on. There's, there's some other people. I'm waiting for you. Sir, take her by the hand and y'all do it together. There's some of you that you need to do it together. You say, honey, let's do this together. Come on. Just, just let God, let the transformation begin right now in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody else? Say, I need to get it right. Anybody else? Let's pray together. Everybody say this out loud. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross, not just so I could believe, not just so I could belong, but so I could transform into your image. Lord Jesus, come into my life, into my heart, into my mind. Change me. Come on, just think about that for a minute. You know what needs to be changed. It's not about you changing it. It's about God changing it. So say that with me. Everybody just put your hand on your heart. Just say this with me. Say, change me, God. I give you permission. Do a deep work on the inside of me. Fix what I can't fix. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Let the transformation begin. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.